MailChimp presents. Clusters aren't always a bad thing. Like a cluster of stars in the night sky, or those crunchy little clusters in your cereal. But you know what's never good? A clustomer. A clustomer is what happens when marketers group customers with very different behaviors into one big messy audience. Like when someone receives a new customer coupon code, but they're already an existing customer. Intuit MailChimp can help. They offer email marketing personalization tools that help marketers send product recommendations and discounts based on behavior data, turning your customers back into the unique customers that they are. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide number of customers in 2021 and 2022. We all have that elder, you know, like an auntie, a friend, a parent, who drops wisdom on us and changes the course of our lives. This season, I'm talking to 15 incredible people about important moments they went through and how the elders in their lives got them through it. I'm your host, Jenny Yang, and this is Going Through It. This week, Chani Nicholas. Anything that anybody likes about my work, I learned from her first. She taught me that you should never identify with your talent. You should not identify with the energy that moves through you. It is not you. You are a steward of it. You are a caretaker for it. But it's none of your business. My friend Chani Nicholas is an astrologer, a New York Times bestselling author. And in 2020, she launched the Chani app which now makes her the founder of a tech company. And Chani is the steward of powerful energy. She's present and warm. She makes you feel seen and understood. These are just some of the many traits that make her an incredible astrologer and what makes her work wildly popular. Like, this is not your mother's astrology, by the way. I mean, how many times as a child did I read Cosmo Magazine's astrology section just confused? Chani's readings use self-love and radical politics to make astrology intersectional and deeply relatable. Okay, before we go on, a confession and a PSA. I'm not that into astrology. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. I know I am a woman of color living in Los Angeles and working in the creative arts. So you'd think, oh, I'd already have a meditation room filled with incense and crystals. But no, I don't. Okay, I do believe the stars can give us guidance. Truly, I do. I'm just not obsessed with it. But it seems like everyone else is. And also because whenever someone asks me what sign I am, I say, Scorpio. And the reaction is almost always, oh, every single time. I'm like, why, oh? Oh, because we always got to watch out for Scorpios. You know, the stinger and all. I'm like, okay, back up. I don't think any other sign is getting this kind of astrological prejudice. Here's the PSA. Hashtag stop Scorpio hate. Okay? Okay. Look, all of your casual astrological bigotry aside, 
This is why I appreciate Chani's approach so much. She is so down to earth and non-judgmental. And you might think that Chani, someone who exudes peace, has always had that in her life, as if she was this little kid on the playground, you know, already zened out and meditating during recess while the other kids were screaming and picking their noses. But Chani grew up in a chaotic setting, surrounded by addiction and disorder. Then she met an elder who showed her a way out, and ultimately, a path to finding herself. My childhood was filled with a lot of unconventional situations, a lot of upheaval, and I really grew up inside of a party. I lived in a small town of 10,000 people, and everybody there was really swept up in the 70s, 80s party cultures, which were very different. The 70s party cultures were very, like, rock and roll and free love. And then the 80s party cultures were very much, like, cocaine, fast cars, and being, you know, in the kind of the rush of the 80s. I grew up in both of those zones. So no adults around me were very concerned with self-development, with being responsible, mature adults. A lot of these folks were like in their 20s and early 30s, and they had kids really young, and they were just, you know, being messy kids. And when you are a child that grows up in that much addiction, there's a, a natural role you have to fulfill, which is both caregiver, but also watch person and guard, and you become hypervigilant in a lot of different ways. And so I was always seeking and searching people that were older than me that had some calm and some sense of stability and also had a kind of teacher-like quality. When my father left the small town that we were living in and entered into his third we could call it marriage, he ended up marrying a woman whose mother was a healer. She is a Reiki master. And so she spent her days and had invested like her life energy into her own pursuit of healing. And then that's what she did for a living. The day I met my stepmother's mother, Anita, I don't remember much more than Seeing her across the room and it being like a very cinematic moment, she looked like a queen. She she was like five six and had really cool short salt and pepper hair, and she always had these like gorgeous drapey outfits on that she looked really comfortable, but they also looked really expensive. I remember her kind of like beaming and shining and lighting up the room, and I remember a voice. It's really the first memory of this voice that I have a, a really strong relationship with now. I would say it's my intuition. But it's the first time I remember this voice kind of rising up in me and being very clear. And the voice said, follow this woman, she will help get you out. All I wanted in life was to get out. I knew there was something else out there. I saw other people had other things. I knew that it didn't have to just be this one way. And I was 
so determined not to become an addict. I was so determined not to become an alcoholic. I was so determined, you know, not to waste my life. What was it like to be in her presence? Anita's energy was very jarring. It made me feel like I needed to stand up straighter and come with my A-game. I I will say that I, I don't think I ever really felt comfortable with Anita. It's not like it was subtle and sweet and soft. It was commanding. Her energy was very penetrating. Like, when she listened to you, you felt like, oh, my God, she can see through my soul and know, you know, things that I don't know. It felt like I was always so exposed around her. But I think that that's what great teachers do. They, it's not that they're doing that, and, and we project so much onto people in those situations, but it's that it evokes that self-awareness in oneself. So in her company, I was self-aware in a way that I wasn't before. I was also self-conscious, mm. but I was, I was all of a sudden like, oh, okay, this is who I am. I could feel myself. Wow. And I think because when someone sees you, when someone witnesses you, when someone gives you that kind of attention, you all of a sudden exist and then you become aware of yourself in a way that when you're used to being invisibilized or, you know, whatever, if people have rage, if people have addiction, if people have mental health issues, whatever the thing is, as kids, we tend to just evaporate and think we're invisible and we don't feel even like we have a body or that we exist. And so when somebody like that, when a teacher comes along and witnesses you or just their energy has that kind of impact on you, I think it it evokes all those feelings. So I always had a lot of feelings when I was around her, but I always wanted to impress her and I always wanted to model after her and I always wanted to be good. You know, I I wanted to follow in her footsteps so badly. Your stepmom's mother reminds me of... A lot of other women I've met over the years who tend to be older and wise, who I might have just had a tiny conversation with them, and they make me want to cry. Like, it's like the make me want to cry ladies. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I don't know why I'm crying. I'm also sweating, and I might poop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everything is happening now. You just triggered all of my fight or flight functions. I just, everything is happening right now. <laughs> That's 100% how I imagined her. Like when you first described her, I was like, oh my God, she would totally make me cry. Like just, just by like talking to me. Like she just talks to me and looks at me. And then because she did Reiki, she'd put her hand on you just in passing. Oh, no. And you'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But Anita also introduced you to astrology, right? So Anita brought me and my father and my stepmom and her two kids to an astrology reading. She sent us off to an astrologer that she worked with to get a family reading because we were a new family cohort situation. And my mind is blown because I feel like this woman is speaking a language that no one's ever spoken to me in, but is my language. And so in the astrology reading, I heard the astrologer describe my father in a really accurate way. 
And then she described me. If an astrology reading is really good, it like outlines you in a really specific way that makes you feel like you exist more. Or when someone witnesses something in you that maybe nobody else ever has but has always been so present, it brings you in or it brought me into my body more. How did this astrologer outline you? <laughs> I, I think that the astrology reading for me was, yeah, you're really sensitive. <laughs> you're very emo. You're going to take everything personally. And that's going to be hard for you because these other ones don't necessarily do that. They probably think it's your fault. <laughs> you know, like so we all operate kind of differently. None of it's better than the others. But if you know that you tend to criticize yourself or take everything personally or if you're going to be the one that's going to emotionally absorb most things in the family or in the room or in the situation, it's good to know that as a teenager. I mean, did... Anita ever introduced you to Reiki? Reiki was my first healing modality. I begged her to initiate me, and she wouldn't until I was 14. I had to wait a couple years because she was like, it's too intense. You're a child. Go live your life. Like, leave me alone. You're supposed to play in the dirt. What are you doing moving energy around? Like, just chill out. <laughs> I was like, please, let me go. Please, let me go. So at 14, she initiated me, and then I did Reiki, you know, through my teens and 20s. But through that also as a side kind of thing, I was introduced to astrology, and it was also through her that I would go to my first astrology class when I was in my early 20s. Anita also brought me to us. One of her best friends was a, an incredible psychic. And I was, I was 14 at the time when I went to him. And the whole session was him saying one thing over to me again and again and me just crying. And he just sat there and he was like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay. You have no idea, but you're just going to be so okay. You're going to be okay. And I was just like bawling. <laughs> so she really brought me into this whole world and introduced me to a lot of different healers and teachers and different ways of of being. So I had all of a sudden an alternative model of being an adult. Anything that anybody likes about my work, I learned from her first. She taught me that you should never identify with your talent. You should not identify with the energy that moves through you. It is not you. You are a steward of it. You are a caretaker for it but it's none of your business. You know, like in her universe, it was like you, you show up, you put your hands on people, and you just let the energy come through. You don't manipulate it. You don't try to figure it out. You just become willing to become that vessel. And I think when we do that in everything in our life, like uh, you step up on stage, you have prepared, you have worked, you have edited the lines, you've practiced them a gajillion times. But then when Jenny moves up and goes out on stage, it, that energy that comes through you is a gift. It's this divine thing that happens. And then all of your practice and all of your labor is present and it's twinkling and sparkling. But the energy that meets us, the audience, is that divine creative thing that is present, I think, in healing sessions and great art. So the, the teaching is really to listen to when the voice rises up and says this, do this thing. It doesn't matter if it's hard or what it's going to take. Do the thing. Stay here. 
And we all have that voice. How has your relationship to astrology changed since that first time you encountered it? Like any love, like any relationship, like any deep friendship, I have realized that I have sometimes expected the wrong things from it, sometimes demanded it to be something that it isn't, and in that missed what it is. And it is this gorgeous, wise, loyal friend to me who is, like, patient with me and keeps teaching me how to serve it and keeps teaching me how to be in relationship with it. And it never ceases to amaze me. It is an incredibly generous partnership. You were at the Spotify launch party for my Cosmic Playlist, and Lizzo was there and played at our party. And I walked around that whole night like, astrology brought me here. (laughs) How did this happen? That is so bizarre. I just kept walking around like, this is so weird. Like, astrology, like, I got myself here, yes, and all my hard work and my dedication and all that stuff, but, like, it's through the vehicle of astrology that I'm here. What? This is so wild. And so these moments happen to me all the time. I get to meet really fascinating people that are doing phenomenal work in the world and I get to read their chart and see how it's all playing out internally because I know what the external looks like but astrology shows me the internal as well as the external and to sit and explore that with people is such a wild gift. What was the biggest lesson that Anita taught you? Like what stays with you? She ultimately taught me that it had nothing to do with her. She was a vehicle that came into my life and taught me about myself. And my job is to go out and do the same thing. And it wasn't about her. It's not about me. I needed to learn how to trust myself because I'm always going to have me. I'm not always going to have her. And actually, we don't speak anymore. So... In all honesty, and kids of, like, mixed marriages or however you want to say it will identify with this, I wasn't her granddaughter. I was never her granddaughter. You know, I wasn't her blood. I wasn't her kid's kid. I was just—I was an 11-year-old, and I came in preteen and then really got to know her as a teenager. And I was never going to hold the place that her granddaughter or her grandson did. So as a step-whatever, stepchild, step-grandchild, you're always so aware that you are not it. I feel like as we're developing or growing, when you meet someone who has something you've been looking for, it's like, I just want to belong to that person. Like, that's how I would feel. Like, I just, number one, I probably just want to feel like I belong somewhere. But to finally meet someone where you're like, ooh, I haven't seen this. This is probably what I need. Yeah. I can imagine little Channy. Yeah, and I think she was like, yo, kid, back up. (laughs) Elders can come in your life and be so central to your life for decades or a week or months or years, and then they're not. And that's also okay because they're human and you're human. And like every relationship, sometimes they come together for life or a lifetime, and sometimes they don't, and that's just okay. That was a real teaching for me, and that's always been there for me, and it's something that I've, that has been one of my greatest teachers, is like, 
that is the truth and that's also okay. I choose me. I listen to me. I'm I'm who doesn't leave me. Ah, Chani. She always comes through with the wisdom. She said, I'm the one who doesn't leave me. <laughs> Cry tears emoji. The story is not only about Chani or Anita or even all of the make you want to cry ladies who can see through your soul. It's about looking within to guide yourself out. You've had the wisdom and the strength inside you all along. Like astrology, it's not about perfectly predicting or prescribing anything, but it's about offering the healing energy to people and giving them the tools to understand themselves and unlock their potential. Above all, it's about connecting, not only with yourself, but also with something larger. And I think it's so special that Chani is able to provide that kind of clarity for people every day. Oh, and remember, <laughs> hashtag stop Scorpio hate. Going Through It is an original podcast created in partnership with MailChimp and Pineapple Street Studios. Executive producers for Going Through It are Jayanne Berry, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Max Linsky. Our managing producer is Agarenish Ashagre. This season is produced by the all-star team of Sophia Steinert-Evoy, Emerald O'Brien, and Yinka Rickford-Anguin. And we're edited by the irreplaceable Aaron Edwards. We're engineered to perfection or very close to it by Davey Sumner. Our theme music was produced by Raj Makicha. Dawood Anthony also produced original music for this season with additional tunes from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Legal services for Pineapple Street by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Des Rochers. Extra special thanks to Himia Freeman for his support on this production. And of course, the biggest thanks to my own elders for everything and for being the inspiration behind the show. Mom, Dad, Margaret Cho, Tracy Kato Kiriyama, Keiko Agena, Tim Sams, Gina Lugong, Quan Fung, Michelle Ko, and so many more. And thanks in general to my loud-ass partner, Corey Higgs, for staying quiet in the house for me. And thank you for listening.